The date is the 1st of October 2020. We're back after a pretty extended break for the summer and our guest today, um, I'm excited to announce our three new members of the Dartmouth Political Times, Ayush, Isaiah and Sattvik. And today we'll be discussing Trump's platinum plan as well as his pick for um, Supreme, Court, sorry, Supreme Court Justice um, out of practice. But before that, I'm going to ask everyone to introduce themselves and we can start with Ayush. Hello guys, my name is Ayush Ajmani and I'm a freshman at Dartmouth. I plan on studying biology under the Prem's health track and I'm also from St. Louis, Missouri. Great. Um, Isaiah? Yeah, so similarly, I'm uh, Isaiah Menning. I'm a freshman at Dartmouth uh, and I'm planning on studying biology as well with an emphasis in either ecology or evolution uh, and then possibly with a minor in public policy. And I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Very nice. And finally, Sotvik, please. Uh, sure. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Sotvik Ryla. I'm a 24 year at Dartmouth, so a freshman. Um, I'm planning on studying uh, government um, and economics. Um, and yeah, I'm from New Jersey, so this is going to be quite exciting. I agree. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, and we're going to get started with Trump's platinum plan. So I'm going to give a very bare bones. Um, idea of what this is and from what I understand it's a 500 billion dollar investment plan which aims to help black communities create jobs and generally bridge disparities um, though upon my research I couldn't find too many specificities um, but to start off uh, maybe we can start with Ayush what are your what are your broad thoughts on this? Yeah so I believe that Trump unveiled the plan just a few days ago on September 25th I think in his, it's his just like last ditch effort to try to get the African-American vote that he's been lacking throughout his own presidency. But it's conflicted in a way because just recently during the presidential debate, he refused to condemn white supremacy. So it's kind of like a double edged sword because like he's trying to help the African-American community, but he's also doing stuff that they like that they want when he's also not doing stuff that they want but also more importantly even during like the whole blm protest he refused to like support that in any way shape or form he called blm basically a terrorist organization and it was a whole mess in my opinion so i feel like it's quite hypocritical for trump to do this at the very end because he wasn't going to get most of the black vote anyway and it's just his last last ditch effort in terms of the actual plan, it sounds like pretty great because it's trying to bridge a lot of disparities in healthcare, education, give back opportunities to the African-American community that's been historically disenfranchised. But when you look at the specifics of the plan, there's there are no specifics. It's just like, I, I don't know, buzzwords in a way to try to attract votes last second. It's also kind of like how Trump passed an executive order to get rid, to like serve people with pre-existing conditions. Nothing is really going to happen. It's just to try to get like that last ditch effort. So I feel like this is just going to be one of Trump's like false promises once again. And then in terms of the actual plan, I know he planned on prosecuting the KKK and Antifa as terrorist organizations, along with making Juneteenth a federal holiday. And I think those are like pretty reasonable things, especially the whole KKK stuff. But I don't know how that's really going to settle with his like white supremacist like backing 
that he has here in America because Trump has refused to condemn the like Confederate flag. And that's something like most African-Americans dislike in this country. So, I mean, overall, it's just a whole mix of emotions. And Trump is trying to support the African-American community in some areas, but then he's just stabbing them in other areas. So at the end of the day, it's just a whole mix. And I personally think that Trump is doing this as a publicity stunt. He's not going to get far with it. And right now he only has like 8% of the African-American vote. And I don't think he's going to get any higher, especially if he can't provide any specifics on the plan. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for weighing in. Um, Let's go to Isaiah. Yes, I think this has been an issue for Trump for a while, like uh, on what he's going to do um, with with the black vote in the United States. Notably, since 2016, it stayed at a very consistent 8% among black Americans supporting for Trump. Like this largely hasn't changed. And, you know, when we have a president that uh, has like very like stable approval ratings at about like the low 40%, like throughout the entire administration and stuff, uh, it's not like super dynamic, but it has been notable recently Trump's, um, you know, attempt to attempt to like garner a type of African-American vote that could kind of break that big block because the reality is, is that when you have upwards of 90% of an entire demographic group uh, voting one way, particularly Democrats, then uh, a shift in that could change. So I'd agree with Ayush that like this is, you know, this is a this is an effort for Trump to uh, go and get that vote. Um, but and as as far as as far as the specifics of the plan or rather its effectiveness, I don't see it being like terribly effective. Like largely, by and large, people have their minds made up about Trump or um, uh, you know Biden. Uh, but Trump does like to point out that uh, compared to previous like GOP nominees, he has uh, had higher support uh, among the black community. Now he's going off data from uh, the uh, Romney race, the McCain race when uh, Barack Obama was there, but. Uh, I mean, we could see. I don't think. I don't necessarily think that this plan is going to like have a big impact or anything like that, uh, as there's such larger issues at play here. But um, I mean, I can certainly get on board with prosecuting terrorist organizations as terrorist organizations, whether the KKK, Antifa, or anything like that. And June, Juneteenth cer- certainly should be a federal holiday. So, just on the public policy uh, standpoint, on those levels, uh, I, I I can get on board with the plan. Cool. Thanks, Osoya. Um, Sotvik, please. Absolutely. Um, I generally agree with um, what the others are saying. Um, I really do think it's important to contextualize this plan and look at not just the plan itself, but who is saying it. Obviously, the president has a long history of making, um, quite frankly, racist remarks. Um, His most recent one, obviously, uh, was in August when he um, played on fears about the low-income urban residents moving into the suburbs. Um, in fact, I think the New York Times headline literally read, Trump plays on racist fears of terrorized suburbs to court uh, white voters. Um, and so the president has a long and a recent history of making um, racist comments. Um, and of course, in the debate, as Ayush mentioned, um, his remark about the Proud, Proud Boys and other white supremacist groups needing to, quote, uh, stand uh, stand back and stand by. Um, the Washington Post reported that they literally turned that into memes, merchandise, uh, selling for 30 to $40 um, a piece. Um, and even intelligence organizations have expressed grave concern that uh, that they're cel- that these groups are celebrating that remark. Um, and so that's the context of the, behind the plan. The plan itself, I do agree, has good components to it. Like it does make Juneteenth a national holiday. 
And uh, I think it also calls for increasing um, the authority of the uh, MBD, which is the Minority Business Development Agency, um, which is something um, that will obviously be a help for the African-American community. Um, but there are obviously like issues with the plan in the sense that it doesn't have that many details that's been pointed out. And there are some scholars, including Professor Lawrence Brown, who have compared this plan to the Opportunity Zone program, um, which was supposed to incentivize investment into distressed communities by giving tax breaks on capital gains. Um, but basically, almost very little of that investment actually went to um, the communities that needed it. Um, and that's according to the Urban Institute. Um, and so... Uh, there are issues with this plan in the sense that it repeats the, I guess, formulas in the, of the past that just haven't worked. And the um, lack of details makes it hard to exactly figure out, you know, what, um, how, how specifically it will be implemented and how it will be passed into law. Right. Thanks, Sattvik. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of thought we would agree and like have come to consensus on this because it does seem fairly clear cut. But I thought it'd be nice to kind of segue um, into the podcast. But now I think we can move on to the um, nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, which is probably a bigger, bigger issue, I think, leading up to the election. Um, and so just for a bit of background, I'm sure most people listening to this are aware um, but President Trump has nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett um, to fill the um, seat left by um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, who passed recently. Um, and Judge Barrett is an alumna of the Notre Dame Law School, and she was nominated to the Court of Appeals um, for the Seventh, Seventh Circuit in 2017. So with that background, let's start with um, Isaiah this time. What are your broad thoughts on this nomination? Anything that pops to mind? Yeah, so I think when we consider kind of like the history of um, this individual for nomination, like uh, I believe that Barrett was on the shortlist prior to the Kavanaugh uh, nomination back in uh, just earlier in the term. Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think the argument against Barrett is uh, going to be probably exceedingly weak if, on her just like um, merits as a judge. Essentially, from what I've seen, and maybe uh, the other folks on here can uh, give a better uh, a better case like against or for um is that essentially like uh that you know there there might be religious conflicts with barrett and her uh catholic views and you know her judgments that largely isn't so much of an issue but um what's largely uh being talked about right now uh is on, on just you know her merits and stuff uh is like her judgments on like the affordable care act and stuff that's a big concern going forward um, and then there's also uh, the issue of her perhaps not respecting precedent and then the big, um, you know, question of Roe v. Wade going forward. I don't think that considering, you know, her very sterling record um, uh, as a judge or as, you know, a judge in the federal courts and previously uh, as a professor at Notre Dame, uh, I don't think that there's a very substantive case that can be made against her on those merits. It'll probably, you know, kind of focus around uh all the politics of, you know, voting for someone in an election year when it looks like Trump's, you know, kind of the underdog going into this. Uh, but nonetheless, I don't think there's going to be a lot to stop um, her nomination getting put through. What might be a more interesting question is how a Democratic Senate and presidency might retaliate with uh, court packing or, uh, you know, uh, adding new states and stuff. But as far as her merits, I don't see a whole massive legitimate case against her. Um. Yeah, Isaiah, you mentioned court packing. Do you mind uh, fleshing that out a little bit, please? Yeah, so certainly no expert on this, but like what has been, you know, discussed a little bit among some uh, perhaps more democratic uh, leaning circles is that uh, 
there had essentially been two stolen judges uh, in the in the past term with uh, Gorsuch and then uh, Barrett, which is assumed to be nominated. Uh, and so the idea is that, uh, you know, to create a new balance in the court, uh, like, uh, you know, folks like uh, Biden, should he be president, uh, would nominate reform uh, the amount of people on the court from like nine to 13 or something like that. And just like uh, add four more justices um, immediately, which is technically like allowable in the constitution, but would certainly perhaps, you know, start a bad, bad precedent of any uh, party in the Senate and White House um, continuing to do that, making the court a very, very political uh, atmosphere. So yeah, that, that's kind of that idea. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, let's go to Sartvik now. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I kind of agree um, with the general um, like thoughts that were just uh, discussed. Um, I do think uh, Barrett does have a, a very strong legal record in her being prof- a, prof- a law professor at uh, Notre Dame and her work on the bench. Um, but obviously, we um, there are there are definitely concerns with her record um, regarding precedent, um, regarding the Affordable Care Act specifically. I think um, she explicitly said, like, quote, Chief Justice Roberts pushed the Affordable Care Act beyond its plausible meaning to stave the statute. And this was regarding the National Federation of Independent Business of the, um, I think, Sibelius case that uh, essentially saved the Affordable Care Act in the Supreme Court. Um, and so her, I guess, I guess, contradicting um, or even um, disagreeing publicly with the Chief Justice on a case that of this importance, um, I think it does definitely question her respect for uh, precedence. Roe v. Wade is another such case, obviously. Um, I personally am not a fan of personal attacks on any public figure, so I, whenever that happens, that's really unfortunate. Um, and I don't think that there's been too much of it, but I haven't um, obviously been paying attention to every single post that people make about uh, Justice Barrett or um, Judge Barrett. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think there are definitely concerns with her nomination. Um, her legal record, I think, is um, her on, on, the, on paper, it's really, I mean, stellar. There's um, very little you can question her on that. Um, but her respect for president and her her future problematic rulings, in my opinion, uh, potential rulings on the Affordable Care Act, Roe v. Wade, and um, things like the LGBT community's uh, right to uh, marriage, uh, these are all of legitimate and extremely uh, intrinsic con- intrinsic concerns for me. Um, so yeah, that's what I would have to say on that. On, on the court packing issue, quite frankly, I don't really think it will happen um, because of, of the political realities of our country. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I think people are giving it too much weight than it actually, um, merits. Um, it's just, I guess, a reactionary, um, uh, it's a reactionary um, dialogue that's been uh, put forward by some in the left, it's not even the entire Democratic Party, um, to, you know, figure out a way to balance the court. And we can, I guess we can talk about that uh, if and after uh, Judge um, Barrett gets confirmed. Uh, But yeah, I honestly don't see any significant merit to dwelling on that right now. Okay, thank you, Sadhvik. Um, and finally, before we go to maybe some more discussion, um, Ayush, would you like to weigh in? 
Yeah, sure. I think Judge Barrett is like fully qualified when it comes to her record at being a judge or just like in the law field, 100%. There's no doubt about that. You can't really question it. But like, it starts to get fishy when you look into her religious affiliations, her being a Catholic, her treating her family, and just like other aspects that you wouldn't necessarily associate with the job. Because I know that she's been affiliated with a small Christian advocacy group that believes that like men should be the head of the household and that like God is a divine figure. And she's been like publicly affiliated with them for a very, very long time. And very recently they removed all like association of her from their website, which is really, really interesting because that same group was against LGBTQ rights, gay marriage, and like, like, pro like guns as well so it, it, it's like the typical like right-wing organization that amy barrett was associated with but it was more of a religious kind of area so it brings into question like how can we necessarily trust amy barrett to keep like an open mind on the court if she's letting like religion and her catholic beliefs like guide everything that she goes ahead and like believes in but, I mean, if you look at all of her standpoints on different issues, she's like the perfect right-leaning justice that everyone kind of wants as a Republican. She's a woman, so that'd, like, be easier to replace our uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But, I mean, more importantly, she believes in, like, the whole, like, familial practice. She wants to get rid of Roe v. Wade, which is, like, one of Trump's biggest things when appointing a justice. So, I mean, at the end of the day, she's like the perfect fit for what Trump wants and the Republican Party wants. But if you start to look at her record outside of being on the bench, you can see it's a little, little fishy, especially with the political organizations she's been in contact with and has been affiliated with. And moreover, just her morality when it comes to letting religion be kept separate from her service. Right, that's a really interesting question, and I, I've been thinking about that myself. Um, I mean, my Supreme Court history knowledge is quite limited, but just out of curiosity, do any of you know um, a situation where someone's uh, a justice or potential justice's personal um, affiliations or beliefs have ever come up when their nomination is in question? To me, it kind of seems like, on one hand, we're saying that this individual um, had a stellar record um, in the field of law, which to me implies that this individual is able to separate um, that side of their life from um, their personal beliefs. Is there, is there a contradiction there? I mean, would you guys like to weigh in on that? I think it was, this is necessarily like the court or anything like that, but like, obviously it was, a, it was a massive deal when Kennedy was elected to be president of the United States as a Catholic and stuff, um, during that time. And like anti-Catholic bias and stuff, I'm not necessarily saying that any of the critiques of Barrett, like just on those grounds are, you know, unmerited, but it's, it's, it's been around for a while in the United States. And like, uh, I think that it's, it's, it's an interesting question because, um, I think that there's kind of an idea out there that, uh, a type of religious affiliation would naturally, you know, bias someone and that uh, a lack of that would be un unbiased. And I don't think that that's totally true. Like a religiosity doesn't remove any previous, um, you know, values or anything like that uh, from an individual. Um, and so like, yes, absolutely. Like we can critique Barrett on, you know, what she thinks and stuff like that um, on these levels, but uh, her specific like religious affiliation or anything like that, I don't know if that is totally inappropriate. Um, Point of attack i'd rather go off the record and if there are issues in the record then uh then that's then that's valid but yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree with um, Isaiah on that. I do think that it's like um, it's quite inappropriate to attack someone on their faith. Uh, I do think it is fair game, obviously, to ask um, how like her previous biases, not just religion, but anything, anything that she said in the past, um, will impact her future court rulings. Um, but explicitly targeting her for the fact that she's uh, Catholic, which I'm not saying that uh, has been necessarily done. Um, it's being talked about, um, but doing that, I think it's really it, it quite it quite frankly isn't appropriate. Um, and so I do think it's more important to look at her past records and judicial statements and written work, and that's fair game. That's but I don't think her religion necessarily should be. Also, Sutvik, you mentioned, you said that court packing is very unlikely. Um, and could you, ex- could you expand on that a little bit? Why, why exactly do you, do you believe that's the case? Yeah, so, I mean, um, first of all, I mean, for to pack any sort of court, you obviously would need support in the Senate. Um, and there are, of course, moderate Democrats uh, who definitely have not gotten on board with this, including Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. And I think even Joe Manchin hasn't really said anything. On this issue, and it's very unlikely they will because they tend to be institutionalists, um, and so I don't think even if the Democrats win the Senate and the presidency, I really have a hard time seeing court packing um, occurring. Uh, and even FDR didn't actually court pack; he threatened to. And um, there's a very big difference uh, between actually doing it and threatening to. Uh, and in this case, Biden again ha- is completely non. I guess he- he's just not. I mean, he's agnostic to the issue. He just doesn't care. It's quite. It was very clear in the debate. Uh, and so, if you have a president who isn't actively, or presidential candidate who's inactively pushing it, and you have a Senate that's uh, that only at best could be narrow Democratic, and with the huge um, moderate caucus who's not really on board with this, then I don't really see how you can like pack uh, pack the court. I just I don't think it's feasible. And Isaiah, you you originally brought this topic up, I guess, subtopic. Do you have any thoughts on what Sutfik just said? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I honestly have no clue what'll happen, uh, you know, going forward. Um, it's tough to make predictions on that, uh, for sure. Um, I think that there's there's a obviously a very polarized climate um, around everything. And if, you know, like, th- th- there, are some, there are some very uh, <laughs> incriminating comments that uh, Republicans had made back uh, prior to the 2016 election on, you know, their standards of uh, voting for someone uh, for the court or not. And I think that there could be a type of justified, like, or, you know, perceived justified, at least, a retaliation against that that we could see happening in the winter. But there, or, you know, when, when, when there's a new uh, Congress and presidency. And uh, I think that, there, there are certainly other ways like that have been discussed, um, you know, kind of on the Democratic side of making that balance, like, uh, you know, adding new states as far as Washington, D.C. and uh, Puerto Rico and stuff. So I think those are all seem to be sort of on the table. But I mean, we'll see what happens and, you know, what kind of moderate Democrats will have any type of inhib- inhibition effect on that. So, yeah. Great. Thanks. Um, and that kind of brings us to the, to the end of our discussion. Um, do any of you have any final comments or things you haven't managed to get out yet that you'd like to get out? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, I kind of agree with Isaiah and Sotvik on like the whole issue of court packing. But what strikes me really just uh, really deeply is the fact that like Republicans use that whole like rhetoric of we should wait until the next president comes into power 
in 2016 before, like, you know, nominating any new Supreme Court justice. I know now there's, like, a pretty famous line of Lindsey Graham saying that, like, we should set a new president. Like, let's not do this, and let's try to focus on just having a better view of American politics. And then he goes back and says, like, just a few days after the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that we need to fill the seat and he supports President Trump trying to fill the seat. So it's really hypocritical in that nature. And the whole issue of like court packing, I feel like it actually could be a possibility because now the court is going to be like very heavily Catholic with only, I believe, two Jewish justices left on the court. And it's going to be like pretty conservative leaning. So, I mean, I believe it's a reality, especially if the Democrats want to see any social policies or social actions happen within the Supreme Court. Thanks, Ayush. Um, well, thanks again so much for joining us. And please join us next time.